Well, I just want to join Pastor Adika and all of you and the praises that we've been lifting up to the Lord because He's truly worthy of all the glory. Thank you for being here on Wednesday night. We're going to study the Word tonight. God's given me a strategic word for you that I believe is going to come alongside and help you get over any little hump that maybe you've come up on. I remember one of my first hikes I did. I grew up on the flatlands in South Carolina on the East Coast, and the only hill we had was one that we built ourselves. And uh, so we went to the mountains, and I was a teenager and did my first hike. Forget how many thousands of feet of elevation. It was way out of my league. But uh, I remember uh, as I was going up, never having seen a view from a peak like that, I didn't really know what I was going to see, and I did not see the value in continuing. Fortunately, I had some folks with me who had been to the top before, who had seen the view, and they said, you just got to keep going, keep pushing, keep going. I said, well, I'm pulling muscles I didn't know I had. I'm using uh, tendons and, and ligaments I didn't know existed. And I said, this is rough. And they said, just keep doing it, keep doing it, it's worth it. And, uh, and I remember when I got to the top and looked out, the view that, that was there was absolutely breathtaking. And I was so appreciative, so thankful that I had those friends with me that kept pushing me, kept pushing me. They had been there before, and they knew if I ever did it, then, then they would, I could now be, join their team in encouraging others to go. Well, let me tell you what. I have seen some lows in my life, but I have seen some highs. God has shown me some amazing favor and amazing things in my life. And uh, I'm just telling you, God, from where my point of view is, God has greater for you. And I want to encourage somebody that's on the climb in life that maybe is feeling a little weary, a little tired. I'm here to encourage you tonight. You're not going to quit. I'm not going to let you. You're not turning back. It's worth the climb. It's worth the climb. You've got to stay in it. So we're, we're going to look at, well, you're not going to quit. Don't quit. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. So look at somebody and tell them, don't quit. You're going to do it. We're going to see what God has for you. He has higher heights for you. He has a greater uh, expanse of beauty for your life than you have even planned for yourself. And we're going to encourage one another to get there tonight in God's Word. I know that there are people tuning in. We want to reach out to each and every one of you in your homes. And whether you're at work or whether you're driving in your car, we just want to encourage you as well that God has a plan for your life. And the enemy has a plan against you. God has a plan for you. We're coming alongside to partner with you and the plan that God has for you. And we're going to encourage each and every one of you listening right now to keep on going. And let me tell you what, you will find it's worth the while. Because let me tell you, there's moments in life when we all feel like giving up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't act all super spiritual. We are real people here. Uh, you may have had to deal with some difficult situations. Some of you may be dealing with difficult situations right now. Maybe there's been a misunderstanding and it's really uh, put a rift between relationship of people you're close with. There's nothing that seems to rip at the heart uh, like, unlike that. Uh, you know, failure in your job. Maybe, maybe you've even been demoted rather than promoted. Uh, a rejection, someone you love, maybe in marriage and, and they're wanting a divorce. Maybe you've just heard they want a divorce. Let me tell you what, that, that can rip your heart out. Uh, the struggle with addictions or habits that you know are not pleasing to God and not healthy for your body. Those things can, can erode your confidence and erode your joy. And, and the enemy will use them to discourage you and cause you to throw in the towel and to quit and to give up. Maybe you've had an untimely death of a close 
a loved one. I'm telling you, that, that's heartbreaking. Even today we got the news that uh, a, a couple that adopted Townsend when he was in, uh, in the womb, getting ready to be born, they said, please let this be our grandson. We never had children and we've always felt the emptiness of that. And we want to be a nana and a papa. Well, Papa passed away about five years ago, but Nana passed away today, this morning. So we've had to even deal with that in our life. No blood relation, but, but they treated him probably better than if he was blood related because they spoiled him rotten. I mean, rotten. <laughs> and uh, maybe there you've had to deal with injustice at work or, or uh, out in the marketplace or maybe emotional problems. The list could just go on and on and on of what the enemy will use to try and discourage you and to cause you to throw in the towel and to give up. And, and it brings us to a breaking point. And I feel like God is wanting me to be a voice to someone at their breaking point so that you don't break under the pressure of the enemy, but the pressure actually will strengthen you to go yet further. So we're not going to give up. We're not going to give up on the plan that God has for us. This is the month September. It's Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And uh, it's, you know, it shouldn't be just one month because let me tell you what. It's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Suicide. Taking your own life is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. It's one of the three leading causes of death that's on the rise. I mean, they're trying to find cures to take leading causes of death on a decline in, in, in how we can eat and how we can do this and exercise to try and get it on a decline. But this is one of the three leading causes of death that's on the increase. I'm talking about 330 million Americans, and we have over 50,000 people die each year in the United States taking their own life. One and a half million attempts, and this is what they know about. You know, there's so much more that they don't know about, or they don't know the exact uh, causes of the death. I'm telling you, the enemy wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. He doesn't play fair. And, and you may feel like, you know, people around you don't have a problem in the world and it's all, you're the only one dealing with the problem. But I'm here to tell you, the enemy, he, he will come against every one of us. He comes against every one of us. So we have to learn how to deal with, deal with these things. Uh, you know, so these challenges are not foreign to any of us. So I'm speaking to everybody under the sound of my voice, I believe today. Someone has said this before that while mountain peaks are the place where you have great views and they are, fruit is grown in the valley. So don't discount your valley experiences because that's where the fruit, that's where everything's grown, okay? And uh, I'm here to encourage you that as long as we hold on to the Lord, somebody needed to encourage me to keep climbing that mountain to see that view. Let me tell you what, I'm here to encourage you. Keep on climbing, hold on to the Lord. If you will hold on to the Lord, he's going to turn. He's going to turn all things for your good. That is who he is. That is his character. That is his nature. And I praise God for it. So we're going to be looking at reasons people quit. We're going to identify what causes people to quit and throw in the towel from the word of God. And we're going to get our prevention going so that we don't quit and give up on life. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12 tonight. If you want to turn there, Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to begin at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 12, which is going to take us some other scriptures, and we're going to identify reasons people quit, and, it's, and we're going to uh, come against that so that we don't uh, accept those reasons and quit ourselves. We're going to finish. So looking here at verse 1 of chapter 12, we see people quit because they lose their frame of reference. They lose their frame of reference. Now, why do I say that? Well, chapter 12, verse 1, the first word there is therefore. And anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you want to look at what it's there for. So you look back, it's telling you something that right before it has been laid out, a truth has been laid out. Now, therefore, this can happen. So he's telling us there as a frame of reference. What is our frame of reference? Well, we have to look back at chapter 11 to see what the therefore is there for. Chapter 11 is our frame of reference. Just like I keep a picture in my office. You come back here in my office, you'll see a picture of my family. Uh, they, they're there before me. My office at home, I have a picture of my family. They are my frame of reference. They are why I get up every day. That's why I'm, I'm working as hard as I work. That's why I, I, I'm uh, uh, trying to stay healthy and doing everything that I do because of my family. I love my family. My family is a treasure unto me, and uh, they're my frame of reference. Well, we're looking at uh, Hebrews 11 is the frame of reference as to why we need to press on why we need to continue steadfastly and it is a, a hall of faith and you know you might would say where he's got all these portraits of all these men and women of old showing us how they live their life by faith now he says in verse 1 now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, for by it, what? Faith. By faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. So our frame of reference is that these, these that have gone on before us were able to obtain a good testimony. They were able to make it and complete it. How? By faith. And he talks about the faith of Abraham and the faith of Sarah and faith of Isaac and Joseph and Moses. And the, he said it was by faith that the walls of Jericho fell down. Somebody needs to be encouraged of that right now. There's walls that's been built up keeping you out of the promises of God. God doesn't want you complaining and whining and fussing about them. He wants you to march around them in faith and he wants you to declare his victory over them and you can see that your faith in him can cause him to bring forth the manifest of heaven on earth and, and, and cause those walls to be swallowed up in the earth and you can march right in to what God has for you. He says it was by faith that uh, the harlot Rahab did not perish. God is telling somebody in that that your past is not going to hinder you. He's telling you, the devil's trying to tell you, well, you've got a, a tainted past and you can't. You've been disqualified. The blood of Jesus has qualified you. That's what God is saying. The blood of Jesus has qualified you. No man, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have deemed the wages of death. Every one of us. But the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is his righteousness that we find in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So if by faith we can see harlot Rahab did not perish, then by faith your past is not going to hold you back as long as you're living your life under the blood of Jesus. 
And this hall of fame of faith, he tells us there's Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and, and the prophets subdued the kingdoms by faith. He goes on and on. He talks about this great cloud of witnesses and how they did it. And because they did it by faith, you have the same access to faith as they do. So if they did it by faith, you can do it by faith. If they did it by faith, you can do it by faith. I could preach a whole series on all these that it listed, telling you what their opposition was, what their obstacles were, what their hard times were, what their circumstances were. We could all identify with it in one way or another, but, but that's, not, that's not where we're going tonight. We're just looking at this great hall of witnesses, and God says, this is your frame of reference. All of them, men and women, they came over victorious, everything the devil sent against them by faith. And you can as well. Hallelujah. That's what that's there for. That God's strength was enough for them and God's strength is enough for you too. Somebody needs to say, it's not by my strength, it's by His strength. It's not by my power, it's by my, His power. It's not by my spirit, it's by His spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Faith was enough for them and it is enough for you. So don't lose your frame of reference. Stop trying to beat the lid and get to the next level in your own smarts and your own energy and your own strength. You've got to exercise faith. You've got to exercise that, that, that belief in what God has said about you, which is greater than the lid that is trying to hold you back. And you've got to say, in the name of Jesus, I am going to fulfill what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. You can do it. You can do it. It says in chapter 11, verse 35, others of those in that great hall of fame of faith, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were, I mean, this is pretty graphic. They were sawn in two. I mean, they were tempted. They were slain with the sword. Oh, my goodness. These were men and women who says, I'm going to serve God and I'm not backing down no matter what comes against me. I say what we need more of today in the church, what we need more today is passion. I pray in the name of Jesus right now by the Spirit of God that there would ignite within us a passion to serve God, a passion to live for God, a passion to face the obstacles that come against us in the name of Jesus with a sense of victory that no matter what happens, even like the Hebrew children said, we may not, we may not be delivered from this furnace, but even if we're not, we're not going to bow. We're going to continue to serve the Lord. We're going to continue to honor God. Oh God, give us men who are men. Godly men, raise them up, I pray. Strong men, men of faith, not whining and complaining about how hard life is. I'm telling you, we can all do that. That's easy to do. I'm telling you, let me tell you what, we need to understand there's people that have greater disadvantages than us who are doing more than us. I watched a man who had two artificial legs run in a marathon. And you would say, what in the world was he running it for, a ribbon? And I say, no, he was running it to prove to life's circumstances that you may try to knock me down, even take my legs, but I refuse to bow. I refuse to stay down. Oh, God, give us a passion like that in the church where we will say, devil, you, you, woke, you woke up a giant. You just messed with the wrong person as you've come against my family. I'm going to come against you with greater passion and against your work, and I'm going to help people around me that are going through the same thing I'm going through. Devil, you done messed up. Come on now. 
We need men with passion. We need women with passion. We need ladies who will be ladies, true women of God who won't sell out their dignity for some jerk's short-term approval, who won't give in only to be yet gotten over on. No, but women of God who find their identity in Christ and find their dignity in being a daughter of the Most High God with a passion to live for Jesus, with a passion to accomplish all that He has called us to do. There's a whole list, the Bible says, of others who were tortured, who said, you can sharpen that saw blade if you like, but I'm not giving in, and I'm not giving up on my God. You can beat me all you want. This, this is what the Bible says, but I'm not going to curse Christ. I'm not going to reject Him. You can chain me. You can lock me up if you want, but you can't keep me down. I, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'll live with freedom with chains on my hand. You can stone me to death if you like, but let me tell you what, in just a few moments when that stone hits me, glory's going to welcome me and my testimony will outlive this. Just watch what happened with Stephen. Come on now. You can disembowel me with that sword if you want, but you're not going to stop my witness. My witness for God is in life and in death. Oh, God, give us some passion where we're going to stand for what's right no matter why. Hallelujah. Brave men, brave women, men and women of faith who have passion, who have resolved, who have refused to give up. I'm speaking to you tonight. You're climbing that mountain. You're climbing your destiny. You're climbing your purpose. You're in this life. It's an uphill climb, I know, but I'm there to encourage you. It's worth it. Don't give up. It's worth it. Keep on climbing. It's worth it. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, the enemy is trying everything he can, but keep on keeping on for God is for you and he's not against you. Hallelujah. And the Bible says we have this great cloud of witnesses that is telling us you can make it, you can succeed, you can overcome, you can conquer because we now have the author and the finisher of our faith who is Jesus Christ. You can't lose your frame of reference. That's a reason people give up. But let me tell you what, look, therefore, look back, look back and see where your frame of reference is. You've got a great cloud of witnesses that says, we did it even before Christ. We did it with just the promise of the Messiah. Our faith got us through this. Think about you. You've got the fulfillment of the Messiah. You've got the better high priest. You've got the better covenant. Oh my! And they're encouraging us. They're encouraging us to keep on going. Another reason people give up is because they get weighed down or tripped up, the Bible says in verse 1 of Hebrews in 12, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. He says every weight. I'm talking about anxiety. I'm talking about worry. I'm talking about guilt. I'm talking about condemnation. I'm talking about discouragement. I'm talking about past failures. I'm talking about fear that the enemy's trying to bring in. Whatever the enemy's using to weigh you down. He says, what are we to do? Lay it aside. Lay it aside. You think you own it. You think it owns you. But God says, I've given you the ability that by faith you can just lay it aside. By faith, it's like you can just block it. It's coming at you, and instead of letting it come and stick to you, you just block it off. Block it off. 
I remember years ago I took karate and they said, you know what? You don't have to take a punch if you learn how to block. If you learn how to block, you don't have to take a punch. You don't have to take a kick. And you just got to learn. You out here doing all this? No, you just come from within and you learn how to block and protect your, your inner core. And when I learned that, I remember wanting to pick a fight with somebody. Lord, help me. I, think, I was walking around school and I was like, I hope somebody, just hope somebody would call me out. And, you know, I wanted to use it, you know, because I, I got confidence came in that, that I didn't have to take the punch anymore. Let me tell you what, the enemy thinks, makes you think that he can put whatever he wants on you. No, just lay it aside. Just lay it aside. I, I ain't taking that. No, worry, go. Discouragement, go. No, fear, go. Failure, I may have failed in the past, but he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm freed from that failure. Let it go, let it go. Guilt, let it go. Condemnation, let it go. Let it go. And the sin which so easily ensnares, you've got to lay it down. Whether it's lying or unforgiveness or bitterness or greed or doubt or lust or fear, whatever it is, the devil says, ah, oh, this will always control you. This will always be, uh-uh, we got the sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost. We've got a power working in us that's purging through us that is greater than anything coming against us. It's time we rise up in the name of Jesus and say, devil, I resist you in the name of Jesus. you got to go. And you resist the devil and he doesn't just walk away, but he has to flee. He has to run like a dog with his tail between his legs running. I'll never forget. I've told this story so many times, but I'll never forget it. That there's come a kid. We were building our house and I was in the backyard and I heard a... I mean, if I screamed like he was screaming, you would have your hair standing up on end, okay? And I'm like, what in the world? We're moving in a neighborhood. Somebody killing somebody? And I'm like, I didn't know if I should look and see or what, but I said, I can't help it. And I go running to see who's screaming bloody murder. And there's this little kid, his bike laying out in the street, and he's running with everything he can. And this big bad dog right on his heels. And that dog was wanting to eat that child. And that more faster he ran, the faster the dog ran. And it was a scary sight. And that kid was screaming bloody murder. And something just rose up in me. And I said, this ain't fair. Dog, you want to pick on somebody? That must be the old karate boy got back into me or something. And that little boy ran by, and I stepped in front of that dog, and I screamed at him like, come on, let's take it on. And that dog went inside out, upside down, around and around, uh, and went running and squealing and hollering with his tail and his leg. And we've lived there now 15 years, and I've never seen that dog again. I guarantee he must have ran away from home. I don't know. But he is gone. Praise God. Now, that reminds me of the devil. The devil will, when he's got you in fear, he will run you the faster, the faster. But let me tell you what, if you will stop and turn face to face and say, come on, devil, in the name of Jesus, I'll come against you right now with the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what, you call his bluff, you'll find that he knows greater is he who is in you than he was in the world. Hallelujah. So what is weighing you down? What is tripping you up? Just lay it aside. Repent, the Bible says. There's a Hebrew word for that we use, and it's shuv, and it means to turn back to God. If, if you've gotten off track, turn back to God. We use a Greek word, metanoia, in the Greek, and it means to change one's mind or purpose. It means an about-face turn. You're going in one direction. You see you're going in the wrong direction. You make an about-face turn. I'm telling you, you don't have to live with a sin tripping you up. There's a sanctifying power of God that wants to set you free, but you've got to show up. You've got to metanoia. You've got to repent. 
Repent. Turn back to God. He's your strength. He's your sanctifier. And he'll do in you and through you what you can never do on your own. I love this, this analogy you find in the Bible in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. Here to the New Testament church of Ephesus. Remember there, that place in, called Ephesus? He's having this letter written, and he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent! Mananiah, repent! Turn, change your mind, turn your perspective, turn back to God and do the first works or else I'll come you, to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Tonight, no matter what the devil, whatever trash, whatever junk, whatever gook he's got on you, whatever you stepped in, let me tell you what, I stepped into something yesterday. Oh my goodness. I... Some of you, some of you do it. No, it didn't smell bad. I was wearing some shoes driving, and I said, you know what? I'm going to put my tennis shoes on there in the back. So I popped those shoes off while I was driving, and then we was doing a little potty break, and you know, I stopped, and I just said, I'm going to jump out my socks and go to the back of the truck and get my tennis shoes, put my tennis shoes on. And the first time in 365 days plus that I've done this, that I know of, I stepped out of my vehicle right on some hot pavement that had gum. Now, if you ever chew gum and spit it out on a parking lot, I pray the fleas of a thousand camels wouldn't... No, no, no. Don't do that. How gross. Now, it smelled like mint, but it's gross. And I took it and I said, what was that? And I went, whoop, and there I got my stretch going behind me. And I'm like, now what do I do? I can't put my foot in my shoe. Thank God I had some plastic. So I get some plastic, stick it on the gum, put my, sock, my shoe on, so I go home with sock, plastic, and shoe because I stepped in something. <laughs> well, the enemy loves to get us off track and get us to step out of God's plan and step into sin. But the good news is I hadn't found repentance. Some of you may give me a little solution on how to get that gum out of my, my socks, but, but repentance gets what we've stepped in off of us. Hallelujah. We can repent and whatever the devil did to try and, and, and mar us gets removed off of us. Glory to God. Isaiah said, though your sin be as scarlet and, and red as crimson, it'll be white as snow and as wool with the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. When you repent. So repent and do the first words. Now, if you remember, this is to Ephesus. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, you remember Paul was commending them for their great love and the saints there for their work for God. So that's from where they've fallen. Apostle Paul is saying, man, you are known for your great love and for your great works for God. And now in Revelation 2, Jesus is sending a letter to them saying, you've got to repent because you've lost your first love. I mean, Ephesus was the city where the Apostle John spent most of his time. Probably he wrote the Gospel of John. John 3, 16, he's writing, living in Ephesus. Right there in the, he writes God's love book, love letter, John, to us by the Holy Spirit, living in the city of great love, the love of God, Ephesus. And you know, Jesus gave him the responsibility to take care of Mary, Jesus' mother, so she's believed to have lived her latter years and died in Ephesus. What an important city. 
Ephesus is one of the seven churches that uh, the book of Revelation addresses. It was a very, very important Christian center. And how that, that warning was coming, you got to repent. So you stepped off track. You stepped in some stuff, but you'll repent. It'll get you back on track. Otherwise, you're going re to remove the lampstand. Did you know in 2019, Ephesus is over 99% Muslim? Christianity has vanished from what we're talking about right here. The lampstand was removed because they, re re they, they failed to repent. Let me tell you what, don't you carry that sin. Don't you carry that sin that you can repent right now. It don't, it don't take cutting of the flesh. Jesus, it doesn't take you shedding blood. Jesus shed his blood. It doesn't take the piercing of your flesh. His flesh was pierced on the cross. It doesn't take you beating yourself down. He was beat down for you. You need to turn to Christ and repent. And you'll find a cleansing taking place from the inside out that is so refreshing and rejuvenating in our lives. I've heard some people say living for God and by his standards is burdensome. I say, you knucklehead, you really, did you say that? Come on now. You know, but greater than this is the burden to living contrary to God's word. You want a real burden? Live contrary to God's word. God created a fish to swim. Let a fish try to live outside the water. You, God created a bird to, to fly. You try to make a bird live under the water. It just doesn't work. God created us. He did not create us to uh, advance the kingdom of darkness. He created us to advance the kingdom of light. So when we live God's way, you're going to find the greatest joy and the greatest pleasure of all, living for the Lord. So don't you buy into the lie that it's burdensome to live for God and by His standards. No, it's more, let me tell you, you want real burden? You start living contrary to God's Word. And you can see just how open the gates get and the floodgates are opened up for Satan to come in and bring destruction in your life. See, you cannot run the race you were created to run carrying the weights and the sin in your life. The Bible says, cast it aside, lay it aside. Otherwise, you're going to become weary, you're going to get discouraged, and they will cause you to fail. The third reason that so many people quit and we don't want you to quit is because they lose sight of the object of your focus. Now, God tells us here in verse 2, therefore, since we're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses, lay, us, lay aside every weight that, uh, and sin which so easily ensnares us, so we run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus has to be the object of our focus. He has to be the hope of our race. He says here he's the author and the finisher. <laughs> Come on now. This is the only place where this phrase is used in the Bible or any literature known to mankind. Nowhere else. And I believe the reason why is because Jesus is in a class all to himself. Come on now. There's nobody can do it like Jesus. There's nobody can help you like Jesus. There's nobody that can give you power like Jesus. There's nobody that can fill you with love and joy like Jesus. He is the author and the developer of our faith, one translation says. That means he takes the land, he makes the plan, he builds the houses, and there are never foreclosures with his plan. Hallelujah. 
When you want to know the quality of a building, you must find, first find out who the builder is. Not the owner, because the owner just bought it the way it is, right? Not the building supply company. They, you can take the same two by fours and two by sixes and build something shoddy as you can, shoddy as you can uh, with premium. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? All by the builder. So you got to find out who the builder is. I love the builder of this house. Praise God. God led us to the right one. As Steve Bunting headed up with uh, R.D. Lambert and Son uh, building uh, con contracting company, no relation that I know of, unless they become extremely wealthy, they can find there's a somewhere connection and they can bless me, hallelujah. But you can stand on this stage and you can look at the tile in that right corner and the tile in that left corner and when the measurement got out, they're the exact same cut to the same length. Let me tell you what, you go into most buildings and look at any expanse like this and you will find you'll have one wider on one side and one shorter on the other side. They wanted to do this thing and have it such, even something that you would probably never even look at is put in perfect order because they cared about the detail. They said, we're building this house as a house of God, as a house of worship, and, we, and, and we're going the extra mile. Hallelujah. Now, now, let me tell you what. Jesus is the builder and the developer of your faith, the Bible says. And if Jesus is the builder, let me tell you what. You can have complete confidence in the quality of His work. Your faith is a gift by Christ given to you. He's not the only the author, but he's the finisher of your faith. He's helping you build your faith. He's helping you grow your faith. He's helping you use your faith. You're not in this by yourself, just trying to, uh, uh, like a blind man, trying to figure it out. You've got the builder with you, living in you. Come on now, just think about that. Our builder was there at the foundation of the world. Come on now superintending the laying of the foundations of the world. And let me tell you what, if he could lay out and build the galaxies that we look at today, surely he can lay out the specs and build your life too. And he will not fail. He will not falter. He's going, let me tell you what, he's going to finish what he starts and it's going to be done right. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'm telling you, we have a warranty that as long as we let him continue he's going to keep it going keep it up keep it right and keep it time praise God it is an unshakable kingdom I love Hebrews 12 28 says that therefore since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken there's no earthquake can shake the kingdom of God there's no volcano can shake the kingdom of God. There's no hurricane that can shake the kingdom of God. There's no tornado that can shake the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus is the author and the builder of this kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If parts of your building, parts of your life are messed up, call the builder. Call the builder. He's still in business. I remember in our neighborhood, there was, they were having, you know, when that bubble thing was happening, whatever that means, uh, folks were not building, and they were losing homes instead of building homes. There was a lot, we were in a new neighborhood, and uh, there was lots and lots available, but nobody was buying because nobody was building. And there was this shoddy company, I'm not going to call its name, that came in there and said, you know what, we're going to build houses uh, like this, and a cookie cut like this, and, uh, and the architectural committee said, no, no, this neighborhood is going to have houses of certain square footage and certain uh, big porches. And um, 
you know, certain pitch roofs, you know, it had a certain look it wanted. And uh, we're, we're not going to, it has to be built up on, a, you know, upon footers and it can't be on a slab and it just all these things. And they said, okay, so they waited. And another year went by and nobody was buying any lots. And I'm sure the developer of the neighborhood said, architectural committee, get in here. It's time for us to make some changes because we need some money. And I don't know what was done behind the scenes, but all of a sudden this, this company buys up 20, 30 lots. And they start throwing up these houses, throwing them up. And being that we're living there, we're getting to see and actually walk through and look at what they're doing. And I'm like, there's no way you're putting that in the wall. There's no way you're going to use those two before. Those are, those are rejects. Those are something that you would form up maybe to pour concrete in, but you don't use that for structure. And, and, and the builders are ba basically telling me, the workers are telling me, this is what we have to work with. And you're not putting that plastic there. That, that's not going to last, you know. And they're like, it'll get us through by inspection. And knowing what was being put up, I was like, oh, my, my. They're going to have a lot of callbacks. Well, I didn't think I had, but that company did because they already had three other companies set up that as soon as all the callbacks started coming, they went bankrupt and closed that one. And then they were the same guys under a different name. They just pulled the, the, the magnets off the truck and stuck them on the same trucks in the neighborhood. And some of our neighbors had this issue and they're calling and calling and telling us the frustration. I didn't go and disclose to them what I knew was in their walls or anything. I didn't want to discourage them, but I knew why they were having the issues they were having. And uh, because the company went out of business, they couldn't get any help. They had to then just hire and get it all fixed and replenished and, and repaired themselves. The good thing is Jesus isn't going out of business. And, and what he built, let me tell you what, you're not going to find any error with, but if you take it off course and you cause a problem, let me tell you what, he has some amazing grace, amazing grace that you can call on him with a repentant heart and you can bring it back to him and he won't even charge you. He will help you fix it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, when you write a book, how many of you in here ever written a book? Raise your hands. How many of you in here thought about writing a book? How many of you in here ever read a book? How many of you here don't know what a book is? Okay, okay, okay. When you write a book, you need an author and an editor, right? The author starts and the editor edits out what, to help it make it sound good and flow. Now, most authors want to be the author and the editor, but most publishers, like our publishing company, we don't allow that. No, you can't be the author and the editor. The reason being, no one is good enough, usually, that we found to be the author and the editor except Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Bible says Jesus is the author and the editor. He is perfecting your faith. He is, one says, the Alpha and the Omega. That's Greek for the A and the Z. He's the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He, for us in the uh, English, he's the A and the Z. And I found out in my life, he's the LMNOP as well. Hallelujah. He's my everything. And he should be your everything. The author and the finisher, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He is faithful to complete it. So don't quit. Don't stop. Hebrews 2, that latter part of the verse, for who, for who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, why, what joy would cause Jesus to go to the cross? 
What kind of joy would make him go to such suffrage? And, and I tell you what it was. It was the glory of the Father, which is you. Seeing you saved and redeemed and delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the glory to the Father that he was willing to go to the cross for. So he didn't turn back on you. So don't you turn back on him. Don't you walk away from him. Don't distance yourself from him. Because he didn't give up on you. Don't you give up on him. Come on now. Somebody say amen. amen. He looked at it as joy set before him to get you out of your mess into your message. To get you up out of that misery and make your life a meaningful, lovely, wonderful testimony for the glory of God. And I know life's not always evil. There, uh, easy. There's a, there's a real devil. Look at somebody and say, no, no, don't say that. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be nice. We're closing here. We're going to close this thing up and be nice. Okay. But we've got to learn to hold on to Jesus. Hold on to his word. Hold on to his promises. Hold on to his spirit. Come on, let me tell you that again. Between your Egypt and your promised land is going to be a wilderness that will try to distract you. It is in the wilderness that God can devil-proof you if you'll let him. Man, if I'm going through a wilderness, I say, oh my goodness, I'm getting some armor on me that I need for the next level. Hallelujah. Because the God's going to devil-proof me. And what did they build when they were in the wilderness? They built what? The tabernacle. The dwelling place of God. Let me tell you what, in your wilderness, don't you run from God. You run to God. And God inhabits the praises of His people. He, he Yasha, moves in. There's a habitation. There's a tabernacling of God. So in the midst of your wilderness, don't give up. Praise God. Begin to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. And you will see the intervention of God. I'm here to encourage somebody. Yes, the enemy has you out in the wilderness. The enemy's trying to discourage you. He's waiting to devour you. He's waiting to take away every promise that God has ever given you. But you've got to hold on. Don't you give up. You've got to hold on. Don't you let go. You've got to hold on. Don't you give in. Come on, church. Uh, because I'm here to declare it over you tonight. I'm here to tell you, while in the wilderness, the Bible says that baby was about to be born and the devil was hovering over. The enemy was there. The dragon was there to devour it. I'm the same way the devil is trying to devour that vision and that purpose that God has, that promise that God has to be birthed through your life. But you go ahead and say, wait a minute, I got Jesus. I got the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to let no devil kill my baby. I'm not going to let no devil kill my dream. I'm not going to let no devil kill my vision. Uh, God, let me tell you what, God is for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't lose faith and get into doubt and unbelief with questions. Know that God is with you. Know that God is faithful. I love Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11. I love the message, a paraphrase of that. It says, I know what I'm doing. This is God talking. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. And here it is, plans to take care of you. It talks about peace, shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. Plans to take care of you. Not abandon you, not evil, no evil. That's not my plan for you. But plans to give you the future you hope for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Keep going in faith. Keep climbing the mountain. Because what God has promised, He's going to deliver in and through your life. Hallelujah. Which brings us to close it down with this fourth one. 
I'm telling you, people give up when they lose sight of just how close they are to victory. And I believe that's one of the reasons God got me here tonight on this 9-11. It could be one of the, as we remember the tragedy, we remember what the enemy has done, we remember how many thousands of lives were lost and how people are even dying yet today because they went in and helped and, and it's caused infection and disease in their life from breathing in that, that, that toxic smoke and toxic air. Let me tell you what, the enemy would want us to think with the shootings that take place and the suicides that take place and everything that we just throw in the town get discouraged. But let me tell you what, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Your victory, your, I believe the Lord sent me here to tell you, your victory is just one chip, just one chip. I'm picturing that, that, that picture I've seen before. The, the guy, you know, he's going through the mine and he's chipping. He's looking for gold and he's chipping. He's gone this long tunnel. And then it shows you that like two more strikes and he's going to open up to that whole vein of gold. But he quits. He gives up right there because he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. He's already hit that with that pick uh, thousands and thousands of times but he's about ready to give up. God said, don't you give up. Don't you give up. He said, what I've got for you, I'm the author and the perfecter of it. I want to bring you through to it. My assignment here is to encourage someone who is on the verge of giving up. They keep on keeping on. You're only seconds from the sounding of the bell. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're only inches from the finish line. You're almost there. You're almost there. Now is not the time for giving up. God is with you. God is for you. God is in you. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. You're almost there. Your breakthrough has just begun. I hear the breaking of the ropes that have you tied. I hear the breaking of them. The fetters are coming off. I hear it in the Spirit. I heard it all day as I was fasting and I was praying and I was meditating and I was praying in the Spirit. I could hear the chains breaking. I could hear the ropes popping. I could hear you're right there. You're right there. Moment, steps from going into your victory. So don't quit. Don't quit. I've shared this with you before, but it's one that I love. It's one of these little poems that says don't quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're treading seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but please don't quit. Now life is strange with its twists and its turns and every one of us sometimes learns and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he just stuck it out. So don't give up, though the peace seems slow. You may succeed with just one more blow. Because success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem the worst that you must not quit. A young pastor, 30 years old in California, just Monday. Just Monday, two little boys and a wife, associate pastor of a mega church, took his own life. Another tragedy. Another man. Another missionary. Another a man with an assignment from heaven cut short because he didn't hear a message like this. He thought, he couldn't go another step. I was climbing that mountain many years ago. Never been to the top 
never saw the view in its great majesty. But I had a few friends. Dwight and Philip were two. And they kept telling me, Tim, just keep going, just keep going. You'll love it too. And when I got to the top and I saw what they had seen, even to this day, all those years, I'm still moved by what pictures I have in my mind of what I saw. And I come running down that mountain only to climb it again and again. And the next time and the next time wasn't so hard. And there I was with the group with young folks wanting to give up. And I said, no, I've been to the top. I see, I've seen the view. you got to keep going. You can do it too. I encouraged them. I encouraged them. And they continued. And they enjoyed it as well. Tonight I'm here on assignment for God to come alongside you. And whatever God's called you to do, yes, it's an uphill climb, I know. And the enemy's throwing rocks down against you, I know. But you do not want to give up. You do not want to quit. You're closer. You're so close. You're so close. The Lord said, go. Encourage them. Take another step. Make another declaration. Stand up boldly. Say, I will not bow. I've got this great cloud of witnesses. They, by faith before Christ even, were able to go so, so far. How much further can I go? I'm not going to be weighed down. Nope, that weight, that stuff, got to go. That sin, nope, sanctify me, God, with your word and spirit. Get my eyes on Jesus. He's the author, the finisher. He's the developer and the builder. He's the author and the editor. God, if you need to edit some stuff out, I open my life to you. And don't lose sight to just how close your victory is. So I'm encouraging you tonight. Brethren, Philippians 3, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead, and I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Damaris, if you'd come up here, and, yes, yeah, if you'd come up here and just stand right here facing me because I'm going to ask everybody that will to come around you so they can lay hands on you or lay hands on someone who's laying hands on you. Here's Sister Damaris who said, God, if you open my door for me to go on the mission field, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to answer the call. I don't know any time recently that she's been on the mission field. I know their whole life was ministry. But she said, God, if you want to take me to a new peak in ministry and life, I'm going. I'm widowed. I'm, Pete, Brother Pete stood with me. We felt like we could conquer the world. But he's gone, graduated to glory. But Jesus, you're still right here with me. And she and Christ are fixing to go and take as ambassadors the love the message of hope, Jesus Christ, to the folks there in Dominican Republic. Demons are going to be coming against her. Steep incline will be coming against her. But greater is he who is in her than he was in the world. We want to pray for you and 
We want to just pray God's favor, protection, and blessing and anointing that God would use you in ways you've never been used before. Now, Brother Pete, he kind of took the limelight because he was bold and he would stand and preach and he would tell the glory. And, and I know sometimes you're probably just, you were that helpmate, you were there. But let me tell you what, that boldness is in you as well. And God's going to use you to preach the word and minister the word in ways unlike maybe anything you've ever done before. Be ready for that. Be willing to step up for that because God said, I'm the author and the finisher. I'm still working in you. He said, girl, I got, great, I got greater, greater things for you. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, you've got a, a, a cloud of witnesses even here on earth. You're surrounded by these witnesses as well that we're praying for you and we're pushing, we're pushing. You're not climbing this by yourself. In the name of Jesus. Let's just pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord God, for this life. We want to thank you for Sister Maris and her commitment serving you all the days of her life, Lord God, year in and year out, Lord, of being faithful to you, Lord God. And now, God, as she steps it up even to this next level, Lord, we thank you that you're going before her, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, you're preparing that way. We thank you, Lord God, for provision. We thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Ghost power that is filling her afresh and anew, Lord God, for this assignment that she might go saturated, dripping, and spilling over with the rivers of living water flowing out of her belly, Lord God, to minister your word, to minister your truth, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, Lord God, to speak your loving word to those that are bound in darkness and they will come to the light of your love and the light of your word and the light of your holiness. So, Lord God, we just pray for her even now as we send her in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, go forth and do that which you were created to do. Go forth and take dominion. Go forth and multiply. Go forth and expand the kingdom of God in mighty, mighty ways. Boldness will come upon you when needed. Strength is provided for you for every step. Provision, resource beyond even that which you've imagined is yours. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And now, Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Lord God, that they would rise up in a newness of strength and a newness of resolve. And say, I will press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I will press forward. I will press forward. I will not quit. I will not give up. Lord God, give them a resolve tonight that they're going to finish the race. Weary not in well-doing, you shall reap if you faint not, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, strengthen each and every one, I pray as we receive your word now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, hallelujah. Come on, turn to somebody, hug somebody's neck.